0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
1: Good morning, Kensington. So good to see you all this morning. Please feel free to stand on your feet and join us in worship.
2: I won't forget the wonder of how you brought the exodus of my heart, cause you found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my release, oh Yahweh, come on sing this out, you're the God who fights for me, Lord of No!
0: you weren't awake when you came in here, hopefully you are now. Happy Sunday, everyone. You can all have a seat. I want to say welcome to all of you here in the room again. For those of you who are joining us via stream, hopefully you are in a sunny and warm place as well. I want to say welcome to you. And that song, I feel like, speaks so perfectly to where we're headed in the day, especially that one line where it says, you are the God who fights for me. You're the Lord of victory. And that is really the journey that we are going to be on today as we're in the second week of our series, Four Epic Tales. But before I talk any more about where we're headed with the series, I just want to let you know about a few exciting things that are going to be happening this coming month. And the first is happening this coming Wednesday, and it's midweek. And midweek is our Wednesday evening service that happens on the second Wednesday of every month, seven o'clock, right here in this room. But this coming Wednesday, we're not going to be here in this room. We're going to actually be out on the east lawn because it's so incredibly beautiful. And if you checked out the weather forecast, it's supposed to be perfect—80 degrees, sunny, no rain. And so we want to invite you to come a little earlier at six o'clock because we're going to have hot dogs, we're going to have dessert, all that kind of stuff. It's a great opportunity for us to connect with one another. And then at seven o'clock, we're going to be starting our service. There's going to be great music and leo robinson who's actually the leader of a community in flint called the good church and they have made a huge impact in the city of flint he's going to be joining us and he's going to be with us and sharing a portion of his story and so we love for you to be with us either here in person or in via stream but if you're planning to be in person bring a lawn chair bring a blanket invite a neighbor but we love to see you this coming wednesday night Also in August, for our midweek then, we're also going to be outside, but at that service we're also going to be having baptisms, and we're going to be celebrating life transformation. And so if you've ever thought about taking that step and being baptized and publicly proclaiming your relationship with Jesus, we'd love for you to take that step in August. And for more information or to register, all you have to do is go to our website, which is kensingtonchurch.org forward slash baptism. And then also the last thing that I want to mention is on July 27th, for all of us who have children in elementary school age children or middle school-aged children, this is for you. We're having Rock Your Family on July 27th, and it looks a little bit different this year. If you've been to Rock Your Family in the past, it's sometimes been a one-day event, sometimes an entire weekend, but this time we are going to be stuffing and packing everything into one evening. So there are going to be tons of activities out on the East Lawn, whether it's a rock climbing wall, a Euro bungee, I don't even know even know what that is but i hear it's fun and so these things are all going to be happening and they're also going to be a great program and really a service for us to be able to equip our families spiritually and so this is a great opportunity for us as families not only to connect with god but also to connect with one another as well and so we'd love for you to be a part of it and to register go to kensingtonchurch.org forward slash troy r y f And so as we continue today, I want to invite you to stand up. Whether you're here in the room or you're joining us via stream, stand up and say hello to the people around you.
3: For uh, our topic today of the fiery hot furnace, that we should try some very hot foods and spices, and I needed a few local experts who think they can handle the hot foods. So, how are you two doing today? Good. You're doing good. And I hear you like uh, hot Cheetos. Do you like hot Cheetos?
2: Yeah, I even like jalapenos.
3: You just eat jalapenos? Yeah. I don't eat jalapenos. So I brought a few sauces. How about we try some of these together? And anytime you want a snack or grab anything else that isn't the chicken tender, you go for it, okay? Mm.
4: <laughs>
3: Do you need any milk for that? Or is that not that hot? You want to try one of these jalapenos? Try one of these. Yeah. I like them. You like them? and it doesn't hurt at all? Huh. That's nice. Not hot at all. Okay. Well, let's try the second one. Let's go with the second one. Cheers. Ready? Do you feel any of the hotness on your lips? Like, is your is your lips starting to sweat at all a little bit okay doesn't look like it all right well let's go on to the red one hey Elena is that spicy no no I think you think it's just yummy is it yummy hmm so you just want to go to the hottest one okay this one is called beware how is that one? My lips feel like they're on fire. You don't feel that? Why don't you try another but. <coughs> Do you want some of your milk? Okay. It burns so bad. My lips are on fire. Why are you laughing at me? Like I am sweating on my forehead right now. Right here. Like the top of my lips is all right there. It's just burning, and I'm sweating. Good job, buddy. Cheers. Well done.
0: That was amazing. Hey, if you don't know, those two adorable children, they are the children of Danny Robles, who's our sound engineer back there. And I was joking with him. We can give him a hand stars of the show. And I was texting him and I was asking him, what do you feed your children? Uh, That they just pop jalapenos and it's no big deal and they're able to eat the hottest of wings and it's not a big deal. But those two, they have a tolerance for fire as well as heat. And heat and fire are exactly what we're gonna be looking at and we're gonna be talking about in the story that we're gonna be diving into today, which is about three people who are actually in a fire and their story is in the Old Testament. And the person who's gonna be leading us in this thought is none other than Betty Dickinson who's one of our teaching pastors and she's up at our Traverse City campus and so I'm grateful that she's here. Can we give her a huge hand everyone? And she has a great resource that's coming up that she's going to mention at the end of the service which is available to all of us. But something else that I want to mention is she actually has a book coming out called Making Room for Advent and it's a fantastic resource. I had an opportunity to read it. And for any of you, I know recognize it's July and so Christmas is not really on our minds. But nevertheless, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, it is a fantastic resource to really be able to focus our minds upon this incredible gift that God gave us in the form of his son, Jesus. And so This is something that I highly recommend to all of us to be able to pick up. But today, really, the thought is about these three people who said no to what the world was telling them to move in a direction, in a certain direction. And they said no to that, and they said yes to following Jesus. And so that is the story that we're going to be looking at. And this song that our band is going to lead us in right now speaks perfectly to where we are headed. So I want to invite you, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching on stream, let's take these words in because they really are powerful. So let's step in this moment together.
2: Will I? No, I stand my ground, won't be turned around, and I'll keep this world from dragging me down. But stand my ground, I won't back down. Hey. in me.
4: just give another round of applause? That was beautiful. When I came in this morning, Cameron was singing this song and I just got chills because this is truly the, the word of the passage that we're going to get into today. What does it look like to not back down and to stand our ground in Jesus? And so I just love that and would love to just pray for us as we start. Jesus, I thank you that you are worthy of all of our allegiance, all of our devotion, and that when we are challenged to back down in faithfulness, I just pray God that you help us to stand our sacred ground in you. And even today in this message, for the ways that we may need to just take a breath and to root ourselves in you, I just pray, Lord, help us to not back down, but to stand in you. Amen. Wow, so powerful already. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling it. I am excited for today. And before we get into the message, I wanna give an opportunity for us to take our offering. So as somebody here, I've been, just loving being a part of what Kensington does all over the world here in our region, but also globally. And so it is an honor to partner and to see and to witness God's movement in all of these different ways. And so we just want to invite you to join us. We invite you to partner with us. So there's several different ways that you can give. You can give by texting the word 779 779- text the word Kensington to the number 77977 and follow the prompts. You can give on 10 seconds on the Kensington app at kensingtonchurch.org backslash giving. Or if you're here with us in person, you could drop uh, something off in the wooden boxes on your way out of the service. So again, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for partnering. It is a joy to work together to see the kingdom advance through our partnership in this way. So thank you. Yeah. Now, I have to say, I am really excited to be with you all here in Troy, and in a lot of ways, it feels like coming home, because you may not know this, but I actually grew up in Troy. In fact, my mom's here. My my Where I grew up is just a mile from here, so I came to Christ through the Kensington-Troy campus, and... So I would, you know, during college, come home and visit. And this was my place. This is my community. So you all are my community and you all are my family. So thank you for inviting me here. And I have to tell you how much I really love you because I live in Traverse City. And we wait all year long to the weather to get, for the weather to get the way that it is. So the fact that I'm here just lets you know how much I love you. I love you. We love you guys all coming up to visit us. Uh, and would be delighted to see you when you do, but just know I love you that I'm here. So I am so pumped for the series that we are into today called Epic Tales because some of us have heard these stories growing up and they're kind of nostalgic and there's these kind of iconic stories. And the story we're gonna get into today, as Andrew said, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Now, some of you may remember hearing the story this way, this is a picture of a flannel graph. How many of you heard the story on a flannel graph or are familiar with what a flannel graph is? I didn't actually know what a flannel graph was and I had to Google it. So don't judge me, that was not my, that was not my experience. But this next one is a little bit more familiar to me. How many of you remember Rakshak and Benny? You cannot, yes, you cannot, I feel like I cannot hear the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and not think of the bunny. The bunny, think of that giant chocolate bunny. So we love these stories, why? I think there's a part of us that loves these stories because there's something in them that has an eternal message that endures, that they are relevant for our time now. And I think more than ever, this particular story that we're gonna get into today is incredibly essential for our moment in time, in history, in our place. And so I cannot wait to dive in. Now, what you need to know is that when we dive into this story today, this is like the climactic moment in the book of Daniel. So it's going to get pretty intense. So, permission every once in a while to just take a deep breath, because I can also be a little intense. And so, you just just know that. Uh, So, but we need to, if we're going to dive into the climactic moment, we got to get into the backstory. So, I'm going to give you the like episode one and two recap of Daniel one and two. What you need to know about the book of Daniel is it was set in a time where the people of Israel, it was prophesied by Isaiah and Jeremiah that the people of Israel would be taken into exile by the empire of Babylon. And because they had rebelled against God, they were worshiping idols. And so God said, okay, like you're going to come into exile and you're going to need to seek me in this place. And so this is what happens. And what you need to know about Babylon is Babylon was this oppressive, supreme superpower of an empire, okay? Now, Babylon was so severe, like so intense, such a superpower, so violent and oppressive that in the book of Revelation, it is actually used, Babylon is used as a metaphor for these powerful forces and the idols of things like earthly prosperity, luxury, superiority, and power, and we're going to kind of unpack those a little bit later. But what you need to know is that when an empire is ruled by these forces, the result is injustice, violent, violence, and oppression. And that's exactly how Babylon rules. They're, he's dominating these other kingdoms. And the, the leader, the king of Babylon is King Nebuchadnezzar was kind of like this raging lunatic, which we'll find out more in the story. But Nebuchadnezzar reminds me a little bit of the Infinity War's Thanos. Any of you Avengers Marvel fans here? I am totally a Marvels nerd, so just put up with me. So Thanos, is this guy in the movie where he would conquer these different worlds and he was kind of taking the power but the the thing that he was searching for were these infinity stones, and he would take these infinity stones from the different places that he would conquer, and they would give him more power now the infinity stones that Nebuchadnezzar was collecting was wisdom, which might be a little bit different than what we would expect that a ruler would take. But what he would do is he would take the best and the brightest from all of these different lands, bring them into his service, put them through a three-year intensive training program to assimilate them into the Babylonian culture, the Babylonian language, the Babylonian way of life, worshiping Babylonian gods, and he would even give them new Babylonian names. The goal of this was total assimilation, you work for me now. You belong to me. And for the characters that we're gonna get into today, these are the best and the brightest from the people of Israel that were taken into the Babylonian exile. And they go through this training program and they are faced with with the question, how do I stay faithful to God and allegiance to him in an empire that stands in opposition to God. How do I stay faithful? Where do I need to engage? And they do, they serve the king, they, they're doing what they, he asked, they're staying faithful to the role that they have been given in the story, but there are certain moments where they have to make a choice on whether or not they are going to resist when when the Babylonian empire stands in opposition to the values of the kingdom of God. Okay. So this is where we're going to get pretty intense. You ready? Are you ready? Okay. I cannot wait. So we pick up Daniel chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar has erected a giant 90 foot tall golden statue of himself. Vainglory much? He's like, okay, I'm going to erect this giant statue and 90 feet is like nine stories. So it would be even taller than this building, if you can picture that. And what he does is he has, he invites all of the other nations, all of the who's who's from all these different places to come to the dedication of the statue. And they all come there and the music plays and he goes, gotcha, bow to this idol or burn in the fiery furnace where it was made bow or burn. This is a loyalty test. Whose side are you on? And it's also a demonstration of the su- superiority and the dominance of the Babylonian empire, okay? And so everybody here is, is bowing. Everybody's bowing, and that's what happens. Now, I want to back up for a moment and talk about idols, because Idols can feel a little foreign to many of us. Maybe we've gone to other country and we've seen physical idols set up that people worship, but we don't really often know what they are or or what impact they may have. And I'll tell you, we may not have a 90-foot golden statue of an idol in our country, but you better believe that we have idols too. Idols are putting anything that is secondary in the ultimate place where only God is. Now, these may be neutral things like money or food or, you know, whatever. They may be neutral things, but it's when it's our relationship to it that determines whether or not is an idol. An idol is ultimately where we derive our identity, our sense of value, our security, our purpose, our hope, anything that we put in our life that, was only designed for God, becomes an idol. Now, I'm just gonna pull back the curtain a little bit here and give you a little insight into my life. One of the idols that I struggle with the most is sort of this Babylonian idol of earthly prosperity. Now, for me, that really looks like success. And as a communicator, this is what it looks like is... I want to nail that sermon. I want you guys to say like, oh man, that Betty, she's such a good speaker, blah, 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 blah. I want the applause. I want the accolades. I want you to like me, okay? And so I'm tempted to bow to human approval to say the things that you want to hear. But there come times as a communicator when the words that God has given me to say may make you uncomfortable. We're talking about idols here, okay? So I'm gonna be diving into this and when we have an attachment to something, you might not like the truth that I am saying. And I may face the fire of rejection, failure, I could totally bomb this message, Andrew may never invite me back, Okay, But to stand my sacred ground in this moment and to resist the empire and the idol of success is to say, I'm going to stay faithful to what I believe God is revealing here in the text and what he's wanting to communicate through this story. Can you hang with me? Because the reality is, I think the temptation for me when I talk about idols or when I think about idols is to think about them from a very individualistic perspective, you know, like Oh, my attachment to food or things like that. But that's actually not what this idol is. This idol is an idol of nationalism. This is a national idol. Can you see how this might be a little problematic for me as a speaker in this particular time in history, in this particular political moment? How are we worshiping an idol of a country, a political party? even a political agenda? How are the idols of Babylon even influencing our world today? How are we even being assimilated into the ways of Babylon here in the US, even in our church community, in ways that are really sneaky? We have to think critically of our attachment to these things and our relationship to these things in our world. So let's take a look again and unpack some of the idols and the ways of Babylon for a moment. So earthly prosperity essentially means success, wealth, fame. How many of you feel like maybe we have an idol like that in our country? Yeah, I would say so. The second is luxury, comfort, ease, fulfillment, overindulgence in material things. And again, it's not that material things are bad. It's our relationship to it. Are we seeking these things for security, fulfillment, worship, Superiority, self-aggrandizement or pride, when we believe one group of people is superior to another group of people. Can you see how this is a little problematic for me? Is it getting a little hot in here? Um, The third, the fourth is power. So control, authority, influence over people or communities, political powers and leaders. What is our relationship to power and the powers of this world? How much do we place our identity in these things? How much are we clinging to these things for our hope? Now, to test whether or not something is an idol is, again, to look at some, a few things. What is our relationship to these things? But also, how much time and attention or loyalty do I give this? Do I ever question my loyalty to these things? And I think one thing that's really indicative of an idol is who am I becoming? Who are we becoming as we engage in these things? And are we worshiping these things? Is it producing in me the values of the kingdom of God and the character of Christ when I engage in this? Or am I becoming like Nebuchadnezzar? (laughs) Okay, so let's unpack this. So earthly prosperity, for me, if my drive for success is an idol, That means I will be incredibly ruthless in trying to seek success, okay? I will dehumanize myself, dehumanize other people, walk over people to get what I want. That is opposition to the kingdom of God and the values of sacrificial love and generosity and compassion that values people over projects. That's a tension for me. And that's how I can often get sucked into the idol of success and earthly prosperity in our time. How about luxury. Now for me, when I look at this, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe in the U.S. we have luxury as an idol, but you know, I don't really drive a luxury car. I mean, I'm in ministry. It's not a really lucrative career, but I do love my chocolate. I love my chocolate a lot. In fact, chocolate is one of those things, you know, at the end of the day when my kids go to bed and I've wrestled them into bed, that's like... sweet, savory chocolate moment. I don't often think about, though, the fact that for me to have that sweet, luxury chocolate means that there are people across the world in Africa, children, who are spending their childhood picking cocoa beans in slave conditions so that I can enjoy my chocolate. Do you see how this way of Babylon has seeped into even every way that we live our lives, how do we take a stand? Where do we take a stand? How do we resist these idols? Okay, how about superiority? If we as a country are pursuing superiority or as individuals, like the idea of being better than everybody else, how will we organize our society in ways that elevate certain people above others? What are the values that we're placing on certain people over others? Do you see how I'm facing a little bit of the fiery furnace even right now? Okay, how about power? When we worship power, will we become like Babylon and rule and dominate over other countries, over nations? Will we seek power for ourselves and seek to rule over others and become like a raging lunatic, violent and oppressive like Nebuchadnezzar? What does it look like? To say no to these ways of Babylon in our world today that are prevalent everywhere. Sometimes saying no and taking a stand means sitting down. On December 1st, 1955, a tired Rosa Parks left the department store where she worked as a tailor's assistant. She boarded a crowded bus where she commuted every day back and forth to work. And she sat down between the whites only section in the front and the colored section in the back. Law required for black people to relinquish the seats to white people when the bus was full. And when a white man boarded, the bus driver told the other African-American passengers to stand so that the white person could sit. Now the other African Americans on the bus got up but that day Rosa Parks said no 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 I will not bow to this idol of superiority I am going to take a stand by sitting down and saying no more. Rosa Parks drew a line you see every day she took that same commute and she'd gone through the same thing over and over and over again and what she said is she said i as i sat there and i said no i tried to think about what might happen i knew that anything was possible i could be manhandled or beaten i could be arrested just think about that for a moment what it cost her just to sit down. But she realized that every time that she gave in to injustice, it only increased. And that by complying, she was complicit in a system that oppressed her and people of color. And she said, people, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, and that isn't true. I wasn't tired physically. No, I was, I was tired of giving in. I was tired of bowing to an idol that says black people are less valuable and less important than white people. She decided better to face the furnace of violence and arrest than to bow to the idol of superiority. Her act of resistance, though, bore witness to an eternal God that values all people created in the image of God with eternal and equal dignity, value, and worth. Here's what we know from Rosa Parks' story and from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story is that refusing to bow to the idols of this world guarantees, guarantees the fires of rejection, persecution, and suffering in this world. That's just how it is because the kingdoms of this world want control, they want control of your story. Who is really in control? Who is really in charge? And who is really worthy of our worship? So what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? As they're watching everybody bow down, they choose to take a stand and resist the empire. And when Nebuchadnezzar finds out about it, he is furious with rage, okay? And he confronts them, but he's also kind of giving them a second chance because he kind of likes these guys. You know, they're serving his empire. These are the best and the brightest. He's getting his wisdom from them. He gives them a second chance, but ultimately he says, if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the fiery blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you, rescue you from my hand? What God? Can you imagine the goal? he thinks that he is God. He's saying, do you remember when I conquered your city? The treasures of the temple of your God are sitting like a trophy in the temple of my God. What God? God abandoned you. Your God isn't even a part of the picture. What God will be able to rescue you? Friends, when we face the fires and we refuse to bow down, sometimes it feels like God has abandoned us. We don't see him. How do we serve an unseen God? Can we trust that he, even though we can't see him, is still in control of our story? He's still in control of our destiny. We will be questioned, is God really good? Is he really powerful? Is he really with me when I make this choice? It's a hard thing to face the heat of the fire. But here's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. I love this. I love this response because here's the thing in these fiery furnace moments, this is a fight or flight moment, right? Their lives are at risk. The temptation is either to take up arms and to fight back, to throw some punches, maybe to get on Facebook and to blast that post of what you really want to say. Will they take up arms? Will they fight for themselves? Will they even yell at the king? Will they defend God's honor? Or will they bow down? Will they give in? Will they allow themselves to yield to an empire and an idol? This is how they respond. And this is really important. How they respond is essential. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I just love their faith. And their trust in God in this moment. They know that God is able, and they know he can, but this is the kicker. You ready? But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Even if they were to die in the furnace, they said better to die there in obedience to God than to bow in allegiance to a kingdom that is not of this world. And the reality is, this is the the thing that we face too. Bow or burn in the furnace, okay? This 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 is a hard tension that they're in, but they say even if, we refuse to bow down. How? How do they have that resolve? How do they stand their sacred ground when it would have been so much easier just to bow or to fight? How did Rosa Parks sit and say no in the face of violence and arrest? Let's take a look at this passage in Isaiah, which I think gives us a little clue to what may have gone, been going on in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's heart in this moment. This passage was written just a hundred years before this story, so you better believe they had this going through their mind when they faced this moment. Isaiah 43, 1-2 says, But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to face the fires of the furnace because they knew who they were and they knew whose they were. They may have had new Babylonian names that we know them by of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you know that their true names reflected their identity as beloved of God. Shadrach's name was Hananiah, which means the Lord shows grace. Meshach's name was Mishael, which means who is what God is. And Abednego's name was Azariah, which means the Lord helps. How do we say, stand our sacred ground when tempted to bow to Babylon? We can face the fire without fear when we know who we are and whose we are. When I stand before you in this moment and say some hard things, it's only because I've prayed through it and I've remembered no matter what may come, I am the Lord's I am his beloved, and even if you reject me and want to throw me off the stage, I am still his. And I belong to an eternal kingdom that lasts. You see, the kingdoms of this world, they will rise and they will fall, but they will not last forever. And there is an eternal kingdom, though, that will. And in this eternal kingdom, only God is king. So what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they say no, when they refuse to face bowing to this idol. Does Nebuchadnezzar give in? Is he like, wow, that's bold. Okay. No. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and commanded that some of the strongest soldiers in his army tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. You can just see the violence and the anger and like his face is red and he's sweating. He throws them into the furnace. Then what happens? I love this. He's like sitting there, watching them to become barbecue. And then all of a sudden, he leaps to his feet in amazement. He says, weren't there three men who were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they reply, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Son of the gods. You guys, who is this son of the gods? This isn't just the son of God. This isn't just a son of God. This is the son of God. This is like a little Easter egg where Jesus shows up in the story before He shows up in the story. Look what's going to happen. Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, meets them in the fire. In the fire. In the fire, that's where Jesus shows up. And I love this image. This is his presence with them. The fourth person in this fire is Jesus. And God doesn't just deliver them. He doesn't deliver them from the fire. He delivers them in the fire. And here's the reality for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And for us is that when we choose to say no to idols and we face the fire, Jesus delivers us in the fire through his very presence. It became this holy meeting place where the son of God came and met them in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their suffering. And here's the reality. The persecuted church all around the world, they face the fire and they don't make it out like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go to their death just by saying, Jesus is Lord, I will bow to him. But you know what? Jesus meets them in the midst, in the face of their persecution, in the face of suffering, in the face of loss and rejection and pain. He says, I'm with you. And we know that he will be with us. Why? Because the Son of God did not refuse his own furnace when faced with the idol of bowing to an empire, the Roman empire, when faced with the idol of taking up worldly success and earthly prosperity and rule, when faced with bowing to an idol of superiority and saying, I am Lord, when even bowing to the idol of saying, you know what? I could just sit here and have everybody just give me grapes and worship me. No. Jesus refused the kingdoms of this world. He refused to bow, but here's the thing. He had every right. He had every right to claim all of these things, but he refused and he said, no, no. I will not bow, but I will face the furnace of the cross for you and for me because he knew that his kingdom was coming. He knew that his kingdom was eternal. He knew who he was as the son of God. And scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? He wanted us with him in eternity. He wanted us with him in the kingdom of God. And so for that reason, and for the fact that he knew that he would reign forever with us, he endured the cross. And through subversive, sacrificial love, he said no and defeated the kingdoms of this world by dying on their behalf. Jesus kept this eternal perspective in mind. And that's what he wants us to keep to. That we may not see Jesus We may not see God, we may not see the kingdom of God in our midst, but we will know that he will meet us in the fire when we reject the kingdoms of this world. And this is the thing, as followers of Jesus, he calls us to the furnace. Jesus says in Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves deny the empires and the kingdoms of this world, deny the idols of this world and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life in the kingdoms of this world will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me in the kingdom of God will save it. The reward of firing of the fiery furnace of going to Jesus was finding His presence there with Him, in it, and His presence with them is what refined them in the suffering, in the persecution. I love what Isaiah forty-eight ten says about what happens in the fire when we go in obedience to Jesus when we face the fire. He says, "Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace." of affliction. I heard the story once of a woman who wanted to learn about how silver is refined. And so she went and visited a silversmith and she watched him at work and she said, tell me about this process. And he said, well, I have to place the silver in the hottest parts of the flame. And She said, is it true that you have to sit there the whole time that it's in there? And he said, oh yes, I have to sit there the whole time that it's in the fire and I have to watch very carefully. Because if I let it stay too long, it will be destroyed. But if not long enough, it won't burn off the impurities. And she sat there silent for a moment and said, how do you know when it's been refined? And he said, well, that's easy. When I see my image in it, when I see my image in it, when we go through the fire of rejection or persecution or suffering for Jesus's sake, we come out looking more like him. We come out looking more like the son of God in our character and the things that we think about and the ways that we live, we look more like Jesus because the fire is a place of liberation. It's a place where God sets us free from the things that bind us in the kingdoms of this world because when we worship an idol, we are a slave to it. But Jesus sets us free through the cross. Did you notice that in this passage, The only thing burned on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was their bonds, their turbans, their trousers, even the hair on their arms. When you get to a fire, you know how it like burns off your hair? Nothing was touched. The only thing singed was their ropes. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful picture of liberation that comes through suffering for Jesus. Because here's the deal. When we refuse to bow to the idol of earthly prosperity, we will experience the fire of failure and rejection. But this burns away our identity and worldly success. In the fire, we find our identity and value as his beloved. When we refuse to bow to the idol of luxury, we face the fire of simplicity or sacrificial generosity. But it burns away our attachment to our worldly possessions or comforts or material things. In the fire, we find comfort in knowing the presence of the living God, Jesus, with us. When we refuse to bow to the idol of superiority, we face the fire of humility. But this burns away our pride. In the fire, we are liberated to see the value and beauty and dignity of all people in the image of God. When we refuse to bow to the idol of power, we face the fire of surrender. But this burns away our hope in worldly kingdoms that will fail. In the fire, we experience the power of God. The power of God that seeks to uplift and seeks the thriving of all people and seeks God's glory and beauty revealed. And the thing is, through the cross we're refined and liberated and this place is a place of transformation that's not just for us. Do you know that every time in history someone has resisted the empire through nonviolent resistance like Rosa Parks, Jesus, Gandhi, what happened? It formed a spark of revolution in the kingdom of God. We began to see change in culture and history. Where are we going to face those moments and take a stand and say no? Can we as a community cause a spark in standing in our allegiance to Jesus? Because what happened at the end of the story, get this, when King Nebuchadnezzar came and saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were set free and they came out of the furnace, here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you believe this? This raging lunatic is saying, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own God. For no other God can save in this way. No other God, no other God is worthy of our worship and allegiance and devotion. And when we refuse the idol's we refuse to bow down. When we take a stand and we face the fire, it reveals to a watching world, the glory and the beauty of God. We see that Jesus is Lord. Nebuchadnezzar praises God, not just for the fact that they were rescued, but by the fact that they were willing to be killed for him. So what about you? Where will you take a stand? Where will you draw the line? And say, I will not bow. No, no to the idols and the empires of this world. But yes, to the glory of God revealed through us in the fire. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you did not refuse the furnace yourself, but for our sake, you rejected the empire in the kingdoms of this world. And you said, I will stand in allegiance to God alone. And I thank you, God, that when you call us to the cross, you, you call us there, but you went first and you promised to be with us there. And so Lord, I just pray for those of us in this room that you show us what is an idol that we've been clinging to and where do you want us to let go? Where do you want us to take a stand in sacrificial love and obedience, not by fighting, not by running, but through going with you to the cross in sacrificial and subversive love. In your name we pray, amen.
1: There's a grace when the heart is fire. Another way when the world is classing in. And when I look at the space between winner's reckoning and the reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire. Between all the things unseen and this reckoning.
2: Christ be magnified Every creature finds its inmost melody in every hue. It's been magnified in me. I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by my feelings I'll hold fast to what is true And if the cross brings transformation You can hang me there with you Cause death is just a doorway
4: In me be be amen wow Christ be magnified in me let me not bow down to idols but to take a stand. And I hope you leave here knowing today, what is an idol that I need to really pray about and relinquish? And I just want you to know, we will have prayer teams here. Now might be a good day to just say, I just need to pray through and to let go of the idols that I'm clinging to and to figure out where I need to take a stand in the ways of the empire. And I wanna encourage you to do that. We will also have people praying um, in the lobby if you wanna join them. But the other thing I wanted to invite you with is I have a special gift for you I've been working on. Andrew said that I have a book coming out for Advent and we have a special Christmas in July webinar and resource pack that I would love to offer you guys as a gift. So you can get this by uh, putting your camera on the QR code and that will send you a link where you can sign up. It's coming out on Tuesday. So I wanna make sure you get it before then, uh, but my friends Danielle Strickland and Cheryl Nemhard and I, we just just created some space over the summer months for you to just be refreshed in God. I'll be leading a reflection uh, with one of my paintings, so just a time to center yourself on Jesus, and also thinking about how do we approach Advent afresh. So I encourage you to check that out. but I would also love, if you are new, we would love to get to know you, and so you can meet us out in the lobby. Or if you're finding, trying to find ways to get connected, the hub in the lobby is the place to go for that. So thank you guys so much for having me this week. It has been an honor to be with you, and I hope you have a great week. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.